Hello, and welcome back to It's Symbolic, where apparently spring break is not going as planned. I'm Jacob Savage. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. Um, not- I mean, I know that- Are any of us currently in education? Because- Yes. Uh, Mir is. Well, there goes my joke. I was gonna say that none of us are really happy- We don't really have spring break, because we work, but- I I guess we have a baby on the show, huh? (laughs) Have, I think I'm older than both of you. You are. <laughs> yeah, Mir's the <laughs> oldest out of us. So, And still in college somehow. Life works know. in funny ways. Spring break is just always in our hearts. It's a state of mind. Hmm. I don't know if I buy that, but okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, nothing so if you, if says... If you, if you, oh. Oh, no. See, I was going to go with the funny anecdote from before we started recording. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so it, I, I feel like it really sets the tone. I feel like the audience should know that they should expect a really great, uh, just, like, filled-to-the-brim episode, uh, given that <laughs> before before we started, uh, Mira stated that uh, she, she posted a tweet that just said, movie scary, and then followed it off later uh, when we were... We're about to start recording with what else is there to say? As though, <laughs> as though sh- that will just be enough for us to fill up, uh, the next hour or 50 minutes or so. Uh, yes. As if that's your, not the next hour of your life. I, I have a pot here and a wooden spoon. We are going to bang the former with the latter while chanting movie scary for the next 50 minutes. So well, there is an ellipsis in between. <laughs> Let's certainly hope that there is more to say. Yes, especially considering that this is one that's near and dear to my heart. We will be discussing the Evil Dead. Is that a crime? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Apparently. That's not good. Yes, this will be our last episode. We are committing several felonies right now by even mentioning it. Oh, jeez. I'll be honest. Like, when I mention this movie to people, I am surprised at how rare it is for them to know what I'm talking about. Well, if they did know, then we probably wouldn't be talking about it, huh? true but at the same time this is certainly one of the larger things that we've covered i'd i'd say it's at least up there with heathers i think so i mean it's one of those weird things that has become a cultural icon without really becoming culture i digress i i knew this movie going in ben knew this movie going in mir did you know this movie i know you hadn't seen it yeah i knew it about it. Okay. You'd heard the name before. Yeah, I'd seen many GIFs as well around the internet. I I will say right here and now that this is about the individual film and not the franchise. 
Oh, partially yeah. because we'll be talking about a bit more about the franchise later on, but also because pretty much every individual entry in that franchise is regarded enough to form its own episode. Yeah. Pretty much, and I certainly wouldn't yeah. mind coming back to them. Mm-hmm. But regardless, here's where it all starts with the Evil Dead. Now, this starts with the director Sam Raimi. And the star of the film, Bruce Campbell, who apparently grew up together and, you know, spent their childhood together and made a lot of home movies together because that's a thing that you could do in the mid 80s. Like those Super 8, or not even mid 80s, this was the 70s. But they did a lot of Super 8 films, most of them being comedies. Raimi's states that The Three Stooges is a huge influence on his filmmaking, which I'm sure we'll get to later. Most definitely. <laughs> yes. He actually was inspired to do a horror film while working on his 1976 film It's Murder. <laughs> comedy wherein they are trying to solve murder mystery of a wealthy man who gives everything to his nephew. And Raimi does not speak kindly of the movie in retrospect, however he cites one particular scene as being very instrumental to his later line of work. So this led to a lot of research of horror cinema at drive-in theaters, because by this point the idea of the horror drive-in was a bit of a staple. I feel that, if I recall correctly, it came on its own really in the 50s with films such as the I Was a Teenage Werewolf and I Was a Teenage Frankenstein, <laughs> where it, it was popular enough to spawn its own sub-series, huh? Yes. I, I think it was just the two. That's disappointing. I feel like it could have really gone some places. <laughs> yep. I was a teenage creature from the Black Lagoon. I feel like that would be a bit of a jump. I think there are definitely some things between, uh, uh, what like, was like it? What? Frankenstein's like what? monster was the, like... Yeah, I was a teenage Frankenstein and I was a teenage werewolf. Um, from there, I would probably go... Fuck, I don't know. Mummy? <laughs> How's that? I was a teenage vampire. Oh. Yeah, that would make sense, huh? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've yeah. got plenty of that since then. Yes. Some of my favorite yeah. movies, in fact. You would <laughs> always be ahead of the curve. Yeah. However, this was, as I said, an established thing. The B-movie in the drive-in theater, which was seen just as much as a place for the teenagers to hide out from their parents and make out as actual entertainment in this was also the birthplace of films such as night of the living dead which marks a turning point in the genre but that's another conversation entirely so in 1978 sam raimi produced and directed for 
$1,600, a 32-minute film called Within the Woods. That does not seem like a large budget for a film. It is not. Even a short film. Even a short mm-hmm. film. I feel like even yes. even by the numbers, if you were to divide a Hollywood budget, I don't know if that would even be enough for like one second of Hollywood movie. <laughs> One, these are all practical effects and the like, but this was literally just shot at a friend's place with friends of the director and every effect pretty much being from a Halloween store nearby. Yes. Big Halloween store fan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's something about that that's just like, it's just so delightful. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm as big a fan of prop skeletons as anyone else, for sure. Yes, no bones about that. This film is pretty close to the final product of the Evil Dead, so I won't go into it too much. Which focuses on a group of teenagers in a cabin, which in this film is on an Indian burial ground. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this film stars Bruce Campbell as Bruce and Ellen Sandwise as Ellen, which is an interesting case as both went on to appear in the main series and their fates are kind of reversed. Oh? Yes. This was screened at a local theater alongside the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I heard of it. Yes, because of course it was. And this film was essentially seen as a pilot of sorts. A lawyer friend offered advice on how to produce the next project, which would have been a bigger budget remake of Within the Woods known as Book of the Dead. And essentially, to secure funding, Raimi and Campbell just begged a ton of people, asked a lot of family, and pretty much anyone they thought would be interested for financial donations. They eventually got $90,000 in total, which could have done was admittedly not as much as they yeah, wanted. Yeah, they could have done a better Kickstarter. It's worth noting that, like, right before they started shooting, Sam Raimi turned 20. Oh my god. That's younger than I am. Uh, exactly. I haven't made That is kind of terrifying. What the heck? We need to make a movie right now. <laughs> yes. Make up for lost time. I've uh, made movies. Fuck. I can... Alright, well then, you and me, Jacob. Uh, Alright. You're not allowed in our movie mirror. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get right on that. A lot of the film was made up of past collaborators. As I said, Bruce Campbell and Ellen Sandweiss who both appeared in Within the Woods, came back for this. And they ran an ad in the Detroit News to get cast members, which led to the hiring of Betsy Baker, 
Hal Dietrich and Teresa Tilly, credited as Sarah York, because she was the only person with acting experience, and this was not union work. And the crew of the film was comprised pretty much of friends and family. (laughs) They shot in a cabin in Tennessee, which, to quote Wikipedia, was the only state that expressed enthusiasm for the project. Oh, I was going to ask if it was, like, actually just an abandoned cabin. They were like, oh, this will work. It it pretty much was. Oh. The cast and crew lived in the cabin. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. Which had no plumbing. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And appears pretty much exactly the same as it does in the film. And they made a point of how much it fucking sucks in the film. (laughs) Yes. But... This film was pretty much hell to shoot. I'll get more into that as we reach the relevant points, but needless to say, it was not fun for the actors, or the crew, or anyone, really. (laughs) Whoops. And it wasn't until 1981 that the film was released, not under the original title, but as The Evil Dead as producers did not think the audiences would want to see a film about a book. I didn't come here to read. (laughs) Those are for nerds! Could you imagine what a bold move it would be if you go to a movie theater and then just projected on the screen was like uh, a two-page spread of a book and then after like a couple minutes it just turns to the next page? (laughs) Holy shit. Sit and read it with the rest of the audience in silence. (laughs) Uh, that that that's our film. Ben. That would be a power move. Holy shit! Let's do that. Yeah. That would be dope. That's a let's take our art shit. House move. Hell yeah! Let's take our shit to Sundance. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, How people fucking liked the Notebook, idiots. <laughs> yeah. People like books. The Green Book won Best Picture. Got the Green Book. We've got the Notebook. We've got Silver Linings Playbook. I thought you people liked to read. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, you pulled some better ones than I did. <laughs> Fucking nerds. Anyway, Evil Dead is... Interesting as it is a lot of horror cliches and stereotypes before those cliches and stereotypes became a thing. I feel like we've been talking about a bunch of different things which you've described as being the originators of a lot of horror stereotypes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's entirely true. Okay, sure, fuck, call me out. Alright, cool. I mean, no, I mean... (laughs) No, sure, just call Sam bullshitting, alright. entirely true that... The Evil Dead is the originator oh. of a lot of tropes. I oh. think. There's... Okay, so you're calling Jacob out. That's okay. I'm down ones... with that. Let's... It was one of the first ones to make it big, at least. Nah, fuck you, Jacob. You don't know that shit. Or <laughs> it's like that, or the one of the first to kind of harp on horror cliches. Like, I have a book on horror cinema, and I was reading through that, and. By this person's standards, I guess, um, 
the whole movie is kind of a joke about horror movies and horror cliches. Regardless of whether it's the originator or parody, it starts with a very familiar territory. Wherein five students of Michigan State, Ash Williams, played by Bruce Campbell, his girlfriend Linda, played by Betsy Baker, his sister Cheryl, played by Ellen Sandwise, their friend Scott, played by Hal Delrich, and his girlfriend Shelley, played by Sarah York, go down to an isolated cabin in Tennessee to spend a weekend vacation, whatever. It's not really made clear. And also, right off the bat, we get a lot of, basically, information about the dynamics, wherein Cheryl is picked on a lot, Scott is the worst, <laughs> Scott is awful, I, I don't like Scott, and now Ash and Linda are cute, Shelly is there. It's also worth noting that, as you may have guessed from their methods of casting, not very many people in this film are that or they're not really great actors. I don't think they're noticeably bad either. Not re yeah. Th they aren't terrible, but they aren't great. I they're I do feel fine. that once it once it picks up a bit more, their performances improve. But during these early scenes where it's just them talking amongst each other, yeah, there's not a whole lot yeah. of that. No. A, a bit more student production. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Hey, Scotty, what's this place like anyway? Well, the guy that's renting it says it's an old place. A little run down, but it's right up in the mountains. And the best part is we get it so cheap. Yeah, why are we getting it so cheap? Well, I don't know. Might be in real bad shape. You mean nobody's seen this place yet? Well, not yet. Well, it might not be that bad. No. Actually, it might be kind of nice. Yeah. Their very first night in this shitty, shitty, shit rundown cabin, we actually get a lot of point-of-view shots from something in the woods, which was apparently a means of filming that they came up with on site, where they mounted the camera to a piece of wood <laughs> and had two cameramen just carry it around. Wow. As a result, it's very shaky. Not like Blair Witch Project levels, but definitely kind of unsteady, which I feel really adds to the atmosphere of the film. Yeah. And I I do have to mention that like the physical film quality is not that great. Not I I'm I'm not speaking in the sense of the quality of the film itself. It's just in a literal sense the film stock is not very high definition, which I feel adds a lot to the charm. Yeah. If it was There shot... were points at which uh, the movie was so dark, I kind of couldn't see anything, <laughs> even though I had my computer brightness all the way up. Yeah, I, I just feel that if it was shot using more modern high definition equipment, or even the level of equipment that its sequels had, it just wouldn't have as much charm as it does. It's just something to get into well, later, but... In the sequels in particular, uh, it's 
still the film quality is still low enough that there's a distinct discrepancy between the actual recorded footage and then any effects added later, which I am quite a fan of. I don't recall if that was the yes. case in the, the first one as well. The the first one, pretty much the same, given that they were just shooting out in the woods. Uh, back to the film. Very early on, Cheryl gets hints that something is amiss in the woods. As she hears voices telling her to join us. That certainly and... is something amiss. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm not going to go out into your sh- stupid woods. I like it in my That's awful outside. cabin. To be fair, an awful cabin is still better than out in the woods. That's true. Even when said cabin apparently possesses you and causes you to just draw a book. Drawing a book in a book. Oh, that, that's rather meta. Fairly violently. Yeah, uh, she kind of yeah. ripping, ripping through the pages. That's not yeah. That's not a good job. Yeah, I mean that's a style that you save for digital artwork. <laughs> yes, I've drawn that being... way. Usually when I'm <laughs> mad. <laughs> These events shake her to the very core, so she elects not to tell anybody. What could go wrong? Now, later on, it's unclear if this is, like, the next day since that last scene took place late at night, or if it's just later. The cellar flies open, Ash and Scott go down, and they dick around a bit. I I want to say that this is, like, 20 or 30 minutes into the movie by this point. Like, this spends its sweet time introducing these characters. Scott and Ash find a book bound in human skin, as you do. The Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, along with a tape recorder belonging to the archaeologist who previously stayed at the cabin. What do you do with these things? You go back up and you show everyone. Could they immediately tell that it was human flesh? Because if they were familiar with just, like, the feel of old, dried, decaying human flesh... That would be fairly concerning for other reasons. I, I feel like that would still be e- easily distinguishable from standard book binding. Could yeah. be leather. <laughs> mm. I mean, it is a kind of leather. Yeah, exactly. But it has a face. How am I supposed to... What? You could carve a face into leather. Oh my god. Haven't you ever seen... Shit, shit. How many sure books with faces up. do shit. you have? Wait, hold on. Wait, have you seen... Texas cha- is that it? Te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, please. Yeah, that's that's Yeah, the leather mask. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Oh, I'm so relieved. <laughs> I'm so relieved. You see, to be honest, I thought you were going to go with the book with a face. I don't face give a fuck route. what you thought I was going to do. I I thought you were going to continue down the line of books with faces and talk about Page Master. Nope. I was just showing off uh, my excellent knowledge of horror films that I have proven to be uh, uh, quite a a force in time and time again. Yes. And I definitely did not at one point say that Michael Myers was from Friday the 13th. 
(laughs) (laughs) Apparently, uh, the following scene, wherein the teens just listen to the archaeologist reciting the phrases required to activate the Book of the Dead. Apparently, the the scene was originally going to have them getting high. Oh. But they decided to shoot it via method acting. And actually have the actors get high. Cool. And this did not go so well. Wait, so they actually tried it? Yes. They actually tried it. I, I, I don't have experience with marijuana, but I would not try to act while on it. Yeah, that sounds like it would be difficult. It would. All right, cool. <laughs> thanks thanks yeah, for the I... reminder. Tatra a mistrobin hazarta. Tatir mano mansizon hazan sobar. Samanda robza. Shut it off. Shut it off. Shut it Yes, we get some nice scenes. Some actually kind of cute stuff between Ash and Linda. Yeah. Well, Scott's just being an ass. While left to her own devices... Cheryl goes out to investigate these weird noises that she hears. By actually going outside. Yes. Like, oh my god. We're going to have to talk about this scene. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest. uh, I I had seen the other films in the series uh, prior to this. And I was originally put off of watching this at first because I had heard about this scene. Yeah. I mean, it's the most famous scene in the movie. Cheryl is attacked by trees who then proceed to sexually assault her. Yeah, not the height of the film. This was not in the script. In the script, it just says that she is attacked. And apparently the actress didn't even know that it was a rape scene until she saw it in the theater. Oh my god. Uh... Like, I've heard sayings, I don't know if this is apocryphal, but I've heard rumors that they just got so carried away with doing special effects that they didn't even realize until afterwards that, wait, shit. Yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) Yeah, I to, I don't know. Yeah. To to their credit, pretty much everyone involved in the film has expressed regret over its inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that said, it's still one of the most iconic parts of the film. And I I don't know if there's anything I can say about it because I mean, you could of just the subject matter. You could just remove like that one shot and it the flow of the movie would be the exact same. It's not yeah. of particular consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't really need to see it. And at the same time, I have seen plenty of worse assault scenes in horror films. Oh, well, and yeah. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. At, at the very least, when she atta- she returns all like clothing torn and bruised, they don't necessarily 
believe her on exactly what happened, but they do believe that she has been traumatized and handle it accordingly. Not by taking her to a hospital or something. Well, <clears throat> well they, they can't take her anywhere. They try. because yeah. They do try, but... Yes, they try, but the only way back into town, the bridge, which is shitty and worn down, has collapsed. It sounded like they were just going to take her to like a motel or something to spend the night. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's no hospitals in Tennessee. Yeah, that, that's just how the state works. That you, you you don't write country songs about hospitals. <laughs> what do you take them for? They just kind of come back to the cabin and don't know what to do. Ash decides to listen to more of that tape, even though the first time they tried, Cheryl got really upset and started screaming at them to stop it before a tree crashed through the window. In their credit, if the tape and its contents were that bad, pretty irresponsible of the archaeologists to just keep it around. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I'll say since a tree does go through a window, that is something I have experienced and it is not fun. I remember that. Yes. Admittedly, in my experience, it was a skylight and it was pouring rain at the time. So that was very fun. While Ash is listening to the tape and the girls are doing a guessing game with some cards, we get one of my favorite scenes in the film. When Cheryl just starts listing off the cards before turning around, revealing that she's now a demon and levitating while threatening everyone else with death. That is legitimately (sighs) one of my favorite scenes in horror, to be honest. Well, I didn't want to have to do this, but uh, I'm going to take a moment to do a call-out for <laughs> one of the other members who is recording here right now, uh, yes. who might, who may be posting cat photos on Twitter rather than paying <laughs> attention to what's oh going my God. on. I mean, who else is on Twitter right now? <laughs> God. <laughs> well. She's helping me record. <laughs> To be fair, her cat does have a very cute bandana on. Yeah, that is cute. Oh, there's little cats on it, too. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Um, now anyway, I'm distracted. Yeah. <laughs> there are no anyway, kitties in this movie. No, there are not. It's probably a good thing, to be honest. Yeah. Some frightening demons. I you- probably had something really funny lined up, but that threw me off my game, and now I forgot. Exactly. Oops. It's here that you get to see a lot of the designs are clearly just, you know, makeup. <laughs> they have fun with it, at least. Like, the designs really are like interesting the, enough. Yeah. The Deadite designs. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is not a name they're given until the second movie, I think. I don't think they're given a name in the first movie. They are not. Aww. Yeah. But they also have 
eyes that are completely white, which is a fantastic effect. Yes. But I'm just going to go ahead and required, say now. Oh, Required yeah, contact lenses as thick as glass. That which sounds took horrible. Ten, it took 10 minutes to apply them and could only be left on for about 15 minutes. Oh, that sounds Ooh. Bruce Campbell <laughs> compared it to putting Tupperware on your eyes. Oh, that sounds oh my horrible. God of spades. Four of hearts. Eight of spades. Two of spades. Jack of diamonds. Jack of clubs. <laughs> Sleep, awakened us from our ancient slumber. <laughs> you will die like the others before you. One by one, we will take you. But uh, on the on the positive side, the deadites in general, both in this movie and throughout the rest of the series are just an absolute joy in my opinion oh they are they well i mean we'll get more into it later but they they have uh, a fucking they have a hell of a time doing the terrible haunting and hunting that they love to do <laughs> yes cheryl's the most basic of them yeah still probably my favorite she kind of defines this movie for me to be honest cheryl is my favorite character yeah, yeah. but which, I mean, part of it, I think, or a lot of it has to do with the fact that for most of the film, you know, what, what happens soon after she gets, uh, dragged down and locked into the cellar with just enough space that she can sort of peek out and comment on what's going on. So she's sort of just constantly taunting the rest of the cast and <laughs> stuff like that while other things are going on. Yes. And it's extremely good. I love it. Should be interesting because I feel like she would be the survivor in another horror movie. Yeah. And and like I said, she survived in within the woods, whereas Bruce oh, Campbell's character is killed. But yes, while she collapses, everyone gathers around to try and figure out what happened. She immediately springs back up, and everyone cites the tree assault as the most frightening part of the film. To be honest, the most frightening part of the film to me is here where Cheryl takes a pencil oh, yeah, that's and icky. stabs it through Linda's ankle. That part's icky. Yes, and it lingers on this for several seconds. It's gross. Yeah. That might you, be, like, you the can... hardest part to watch in the series for me, to be honest. Which, like, it's full of a lot of, like, over-the-top violence. With so something like this where yes, it's, like, a considering more... that one of the later entries involves an eyeball flying out of a zombie... And landing in a character's mouth. This being the most uncomfortable part of the series to watch is really saying something. It's just like, it's, it's, it's the fact that it's a more realistic injury, I think, compared to a lot of the other content in this series. Yeah. yeah. And just the way it's framed, they stick on it for a long time and they have some fairly realistic practical effects for it. Of course. And a, a lot of the horror, it's very kind of campy intentionally, I believe. This is played much more realistically. Which is interesting, yeah, but, given yeah. that at this point, like, before she attacks Linda, she pushes Ash off to the side, and Bruce Campbell has to pretend like he is being trapped underneath a flimsy bookshelf. 
Oh, but also we haven't mentioned yet that another key characteristic of the Deadites is that they are yes, fucking ripped and they just send people flying with every hit. And it <laughs> yes. rules so much. They are great. It's so good. It's so slapstick. Just anytime they hit someone, they just like get they launched hit the opposite into wall. wall. Yes, it's so good. I love it. Scott is able to lock Cheryl in the cellar, and as Ben said, she just spends the rest of the movie just kind of peeking out occasionally and taunting everyone else, and it is fantastic. Yeah. Everyone talks about the iconic, taunting horror film character. This is one of the best ones, in my opinion. She's a real uh, Statler and Waldorf, sort of. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god just yeah sort of... <laughs> she's kind of just like making fun of him <laughs> god jesus <laughs> now i want to see the muppets evil dead <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so good holy shit it'd be even better just watching puppets flying around the room <laughs> They get Linda off to her own room so she can recuperate while Shelly becomes possessed. And it's just like nothing really. She doesn't like go outside or have anything happen or anything like that. The the evil of the force decides to break in and fuck her up, I guess. Yeah. It's like she wasn't contributing too much anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not really clear how. How people get possessed. The, yeah, the rules it, are just, very fast and loose in general. They, the they just real, do. The only real concrete rule, if I recall right, which still even still doesn't necessarily hold for the remainder of this series, yes. is the, that you have to like totally dismember. Uh, yeah, dismember uh, deadites to have them stay down. Yes, which which yeah. once which once again Scott, doesn't necessarily no. hold true, but <laughs> is all we have. Yeah, Scott tries to get Ash to do it, but ends up doing it himself. He just kills his girlfriend with an axe. You you get to see everything squirming. It's a very unpleasant effect. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, after this, this Scott before, just decides... That, is it before oh. or after Linda's back up? Um, uh, Linda comes back up shortly Lin- after this. Scott Linda sleeps to... through all of this. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Scott... Leaves to find a way back to town. And I've actually heard a lot of people say that it's meant to be a fake out and audiences are meant to think that Scott's supposed to be the protagonist of the film. Um, I never got that impression. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't know if it's because Ash has become such a cultural icon. Yeah, I'm, it, it would be hard for me to, but I would need to be there, I guess. At the same time, I, Ash, from the get-go, gets a lot more development. 
Yeah. Like, he's the one that gets quiet time with his girlfriend. Well, Scott just seems like too much... An asshole. Yeah, he seems like too much of an ass to be the main character. Hey, what'd you do that for? It's just getting good. I just don't want to hear it anymore, that's all. Hey, come on, I just want to hear the rest of it. No big deal. So around here that Linda wakes up and is also possessed. And she is also very good as a Deadite. Yes. <laughs> she is just a like, giggly machine. I, I do feel like both actresses are decent playing their characters, but it is while portraying the Deadites that they go They're above so, and it's beyond. It's so good, yeah. yeah. So she's just sort of giggling. Cheryl and... is like, yeah, Cheryl is like thrashing around and shouting threats while... Linda is just smiling and giggling. <laughs> All while she's getting dragged out the door. <laughs> yes, Ash physically drags her around. <laughs> and she's having a great time. <laughs> yeah, she's she's loving this. <laughs> she, she's just here for a good time. I mean, if I were, like, dead for a while and I came back, I'd be like, Oh, this, this shit's great. I love being alive. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck being dead. Ha 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 ha. Also, at one point, there's just this little chant nursery rhyme that she sings, which is so creepy, and I love it so much. Shut up! We're gonna get you, we're gonna get you, not another peep, kinda gonna think, we It's in the middle of this that Scott comes back because the fucking trees attacked him. And he's very fucked up. He is like... Yeah. He's been like skewered by branches and stuff like that. He looks really bad. Yeah, yeah so... He had like bones sticking out of him. Yeah. I, I don't know if they were bones or branches or what, but it was nasty. <laughs> For a well, film that's mostly like... like bone ugh. to me. It was, was, it was nasty. I'll, I'll admit yeah. I did not look that closely. For a film that's so heavily reliant on kind of campy practical effects, they have aged remarkably well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Scott dies. No big loss. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene where Linda and Cheryl both pretend that they're all right now, which lasts for all of about two minutes. Which, I mean, Ash... at this point, you don't necessarily know that this is something they can do, so... Yeah, true. I mean... When they've spoken, it's been very demonic and haunting. And we're we're making the rules up as we go along. Ash. Yeah. Help me, please, Ash. Oh, Ash, please don't let them take me away again. Please. No, I, I won't. <laughs> I won't, I promise. Ashley. Ashley, help me. Let me out of here. Ashley. Ash, help me. Ash stabs Linda, but can't bring himself to dismember her because she's his girlfriend. And he buries her instead. But she just rises from the grave and he decapitates her. With a shovel. In self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. But it was an accident. Yes. Doesn't seem to totally kill her, though. No, it doesn't. 
Well, I thought it killed her pretty good. She just, she started like gushing blood out onto his face from her yeah. decapitated yeah. body. That's something that we haven't really touched. I don't know if this is the first instance of it. They just love to spray people with all sorts of stuff in this movie and th- yeah. this yeah. series in general. <laughs> yeah, I think this is really the first instance. It's, and it's great. I love it. <laughs> it's very silly. <laughs> it, it is. So he's just getting doused by the blood spewing from her neck. Yes. It's also worth noting that the survival rate of the characters was based off of the actor's availability. <laughs> oh. So the only reason that Ash is the final survivor is because he had the most free time on his hands. <laughs> because Bruce <laughs> Campbell rules. could devote the most time to filming. That's so good. But yes, Cheryl escapes from the cellar and Scott's possessed. Ash fends both of them off and hides in the cellar. Where Which, this is probably my favorite part. Yes, all hell breaks loose in the cellar. Because... <laughs> He, a projector he turns pipe. on with blood running down it, which is... Well, he, he sees this pipe that, that looks like it is bleeding a little or something. So he approaches it, and then it suddenly breaks open and just dumps ton of like a ton of blood on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, it runs down the screen of a projector. And he's just screaming all the while. Yeah, and... it, it there's blood pooling up in a light bulb. Which is a fantastic effect. And there's there's a record player that's just, like, playing some jaunty tunes. <laughs> yes! Yeah. It, it, it's a beautiful scene. It's so good. And I love it so much. It, it's where I'm the movie... Of... It's where all hell really breaks loose. Because yeah, this is I... a film that is so wild from the get-go. And but here, like this, we just, like, This one in particular everything. has... A, has a really good sense of escalation as well, though, with this sort of being, like, the culmination point that sets the tone for the rest of the series. Yes. Like, I don't, it doesn't start out like this, but the, getting to this point is so, like, satisfying and entertaining. Fluid everywhere. There's like <laughs> it's so all these good. weird practical effects. I think it's here where the stop motion begins to come in. Yes. Yes. And after a while of this, Ash manages to fight through and burn the Necronomicon in the fireplace. Luckily for him, that works. And we get to see... Scott and Cheryl both gruesomely decompose. It's so good. It looks yeah. so good. It's, like, they it's use, so... like, clay figures for it, and it just looks amazing. Yeah, it's really unpleasant, but given that I, it's I don't... intentionally so. I, I love it. I think it looks amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, and then it's a like fantastic the... effect. And then at the very end, funny where, like, a little it's... bit of, like applesauce or something like spurts out of his sleeve yeah it was just... like oatmeal or something yeah yeah oh, so good <laughs> just just a bit more just a bit so, more this this movie is just so good with having all these like fluid spurting out from all over the place there's this part where um 
Yeah, it's not something that I generally it. like, but this movie's so good about it. It's so good at it, where he removes, like, uh, this pike or branch or something from Scott's body, and it just, like, starts pouring fluids out from there yeah. as well. God. It, just, it, it yeah. uses it so effectively. It's so... It's impossible to take seriously. Yes. And it's well aware of that, so it goes totally overboard with everything. Of course. And by now, the sun has risen. Ash leaves the cabin, just, you know, covered in the remains of his girlfriend, his sister, and his friends. But he's 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 all good now. It's over now. Yeah, he he's all good. But in one of my favorite endings to any horror movie ever, we start out back in the woods. It's and the camera good, yeah. just rushes down the straight line, going through through the cabin and practically running over Ash. Cut to black. I haven't mentioned this. uh, We're at the ending now, so obviously if I had time to mention it, it would have been earlier. But uh, Bruce Campbell is just so good at, like, selling any emotion needed for the scene at the time. So, like, he, he has, like, this really good, like, horror face at the very end once it's approaching him and... Yeah, like, his delivery admittedly leaves something to be desired, and it's certainly something that he has improved on over the years. Yeah, but, like, as a facial actor, he's, like, yeah, so good. Exactly. He sells everything so well. Yes, for this ending sequence, I believe that he and Raimi have stated that they did it by mounting a camera to, like, a motorcycle and literally <laughs> running him over. Oh, oh my god! god. The veracity of this statement has been contested. Yeah. <laughs> like, I that think sounds he a little says. Deadly. I, th- I think Campbell put it in his autobiography, but I think he also put it in there to screw with people. I love this movie so fucking much. I know it's I have said so this good. like half a dozen times already. Which, this is actually, uh, like I said before, I hadn't watched the first one until now, and I'd watched uh, uh, 2 and Army of Darkness. I guess that's sort of getting ahead of ourselves here. But I was surprised with how much I felt like it contested with 2, to be honest, which I didn't think was possible. Yes. <laughs> I love this shit out of 2. They're different. Now, They're all quite different, I think. Yes, all three movies are completely different. But it's something about the way that this one sort of escalates. I know that yes. Jacob said that this one sort of starts in crazy. Evil Dead 2 starts, like, five times as crazy, and it stays exactly. that way throughout the whole thing. But this, it starts pretty crazy, but there's an escalation there that's just such, like, a wonder to behold. Yeah, like, at the half-hour mark, it starts getting crazy at, like... The hour mark. It gets absolutely ridiculous. And it's just, it's yeah. amazing. 
it's just this sort of do-it-yourself over the top that you don't see as much in films these days. Like, I don't know if it's the practical effects, or if it's just a side effect of the low budget. Probably both. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, the film naturally had a bit of difficulty finding, like, a producer in release. The, The first cut ran, like, two hours, which is interesting given that the screenplay was about an hour long. How did that happen? (laughs) Hard work and determination. And interestingly enough, the assistant to the editor was Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. You may have heard of some of their works. Fargo, The Big Lebowski, A Serious Man. Mm. And they actually adopted some of Raimi's production methods on their early films. Now, the original premiere in Detroit was based around, like, the antics of producer William Castle, who would come up with gimmicks for his film releases. If you'll allow us to go to one that we have watched outside of the podcast, he was the producer and director of The Tingler, which... (gasps) What? (laughs) Yeah. Another Stone Cold classic. (laughs) Yes. Wherein he instituted a coward's corner. Hell yes. For audiences that couldn't take it. I'm so glad. Yes, Raimi used like wind tracks in the theater and ordered ambulances outside. (laughs) Ah, thank. I love these dumb gimmicks so much. (laughs) Yes. Raimi went on to pretty much just show the film to anyone who was willing to watch it, and it came to the attention of Irvin Shapiro, who is known for distributing a film called Night of the Living Dead. I've heard of it. Yes, Shapiro was a founder of the Cannes Film Festival. Heard of it? (laughs) Yes, known as the International Film Festival at the time, and allowed Raimi to screen the film outside of competition. In 1982. It was at Cannes that another figure you may have heard of that was instrumental in the film's popularity saw and gave the film a rave review. Someone you may have heard of known as Stephen King. Hmm, that does sound familiar. Yes, he absolutely absolutely adored it. Called it the most ferociously original film of the year. And statistically speaking, probably wrote two novels during its runtime. <laughs> <laughs> While on cocaine. God. At the time, yeah, probably. But yes, this led to the film's distribution. It was covered by the popular horror magazine Fangoria at the time, and was released domestically by New Line Cinema, which was. Known primarily for, well, no, actually, this was before its biggest hit that put New Line on the map, Nightmare on Elm Street. Familiar? Yes, they were also known for, like, the 70s re-release of Reefer Madness. Oh, shit. (laughs) But, yes. I like how you say that, as though that would be a touchstone work for anyone other than us. (laughs) Yes. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably heard of Reefer Madness. 
If not, go look it up then. <laughs> yes. There was a large promotional campaign. The film was released unrated, but eventually made like $29 million worldwide. But its biggest hit was when it came out on video. Because this was the early age of VHS, and a lot of people have talked about how this film was influential to a lot of modern horror filmmakers who would watch this film with friends, and it was gener actually considered, like, one of the most horrifying films of the era. Huh. Like, they would get together with friends and try to watch it. Now, this did lead to some notoriety, along with the X rating. When it was released, due to its content, it was put on a little list that we have talked about previously in some episodes... The United Kingdom Video Nasties. It is pretty nasty. <laughs> yes. The collection of 72 films with a tendency to deprave and corrupt. Raimi actually spoke in court about corrupted. this. I don't like, know about you all. This was where he first kind of disowned the sexual assault scene. Ah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. But he defended the violence it was actually generally called the number one nasty because it was both a video nasty and, <laughs> Sorry, and really the best-selling video release of the year. Because a lot of the video nasties were, like, really shitty zombie movies. Like, a lot of them were, like, poorly done Italian exploitation films. I, I have seen every movie on the list. Trust me when I say Evil Dead is the best one. I have little doubt of that. Yes. But the and film... I also, like, love the shit out of these films, and it's one of my favorite film franchises, so I don't yeah. have that hard a time believing that. But, yeah, it's still actually banned in some areas. Dope, that'll make it, that'll make watching it even cooler. <laughs> yeah. This was a success, both commercially and critically. Like, in retrospect, it is considered to be one of the most important horror films of all time. And this led to... Sequels. First one being Evil Dead 2, released in 1987. Which is kind of equal parts a remake and sequel. Because it limits yeah. the... It retells the first film, but limits it to just being about Ash and Linda. And comprises it within, like, the first ten minutes. Which there's, really there's goes to confusing... show just how off the walls it gets. <laughs> yeah. The series in general has a very confusing continuity, with each movie sort of semi-rewriting the last one to an extent. Yeah. And this all culminates with um the most recent part of the franchise, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead actually makes the first movie canon once again and establishes that Ash did come with friends in addition to Linda. <laughs> yes. It's funny so, because a lot of the things who associated really knows? with the series, most notably the image of Ash with a chainsaw for a hand, came in in the second movie. Yeah. It's like, Ash is generally considered to be like, you know, this cool guy. Can do anything and says things like groovy. 
He's a he's a fucking one liner machine in the rest of the series. And Evil Dead yes, One here he is just not, terrified. Yeah, he's not particularly charismatic. Uh, he's Evil definitely likable. Right, yeah, yeah. From the get go, Evil Dead Two establishes him as being much more charismatic. <laughs> yeah. And then in 1993, we got another sequel, Army of Darkness, which I have not seen, but picks up where Evil Dead 2 left off. I have seen it. It's very, very good also. Also very, very different. It's not a horror movie at all. So Yeah. It's more of an action comedy, but yeah, the film even was more on the known... comedy side than anything else in the series. Yes, the film was known in Italy as La Casa, known as the House, and actually got a number of unofficial sequels. <laughs> where what? you get Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, and then a bunch of unrelated films that were remarketed. By so Joe Damanto, who made a lot of the video nasties. Huh. Huh. Yeah, the rest of the series consists of Ghost House, Witchery, which stars Linda Blair and David Hasselhoff. What? What? Beyond Darkness, House 2, and The Horror Show. Yes, both... Campbell and Raimi have gone on to prolific careers. Bruce Campbell is known as the B-movie actor to end all B-movie actors. Probably my favorite role outside of The Evil Dead that he's done is Bubba Hotep, where he plays Elvis in a nursing home fighting a mummy. (laughs) It is a very good movie. That sounds good. Yes. Meanwhile, Raimi went on to do the Spider-Man trilogy in the early to mid two thousand trilogy. Yes, that Spider-Man trilogy. And admittedly, I actually haven't seen any of them. Neither have I. Which they seem thoroughly entertaining, so I will need to correct that at some point. Yeah. All I know is like that pizza theme. That's from the game. Yes, but still. Yes. You know the game actually has, or all of the games based off of the Raimi Spider-Man movies have Bruce Campbell as the narrator. Yeah, and he appears like in he all does, of like, the films. So yeah, he is, but he's like he like does the tutorials and stuff for the game. God, and he re- Raimi returned to horror comedy with Drag Me to Hell, which I have heard mixed things about. Now, Evil Dead was actually given a video game for the Commodore sixty four. In 1984, and was made into a trilogy of survival horror games between the 90s and 2000s. Hail to the King, A Fistful of Boomstick, and Regeneration. Of but course, those Campbell all... returned for all of them. And those those are all Army of Darkness references, so that's like... Yes. I'd assume it incorporates more elements from the later films. Yes, Ash is also the lead in a comic book series, which 
if you'll forgive me for just quoting Wikipedia, they put it fantastically. Ash has fought both Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees in the Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash series. <laughs> Herbert West in Army of Darkness vs. Reanimator. Oh Zombie versions of the Marvel Comics superhero team Avengers in Marvel Zombies vs. the Army of Darkness. And even <laughs> saved the life of a fictional Boy. Barack Obama in Army of Darkness, Ash Saves Obama. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's so good. The record, I'm pretty sure he... Thank you, Ash, for saving Obama. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure he wins in all of these. We... <laughs> Also, so that he doesn't he doesn't let Obama fall to the army of darkness. Obama does, does not, not become a deadite. Yes, and I want to hear deadite Obama. God, I want to know what that sounds like. Follow Americans. Do don't do it. No, yeah, don't I do can't. it. No, <laughs> I, I I can do a decent Obama not, impression. I can't make that into that a deadite not, one. That was not an invitation. Yeah. I appreciate you knowing your restraint there. That was just but, a statement of my desire. But in 2013, it was actually remade, produced by Ramey and Campbell, but directed by Fede Alvarez. It was remade, Evil Dead. This it's... plays it a lot more straight horror. Yeah, it's alright from what I've heard. I haven't seen it. I haven't it, seen it. I don't really know if I would want to, just because I, I don't know if without the slapstick elements, if it would have yeah, the same appeal to it me. Has some, I mean, they brought the tree stuff back, which is unpleasant. That's Ugh. too bad. But Ash does appear in a cameo at the end. Hmm. This actually led Evil Dead to be adapted as a live experience for Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, didn't... Hmm. Yes, and it's also been confirmed that the it's all right. remake... Uh, didn't Trick or Treat also get one of those? Yes, I think it did, actually. Right. Nice memory, I forgot. It's been confirmed that the 2013 film actually serves as an interquel, so it comes between the primary trilogy and the Stars Network show, Ash vs. Evil Dead. It is? I started watching that and I didn't even know that. Does I need to go back and watch the remake? Yes. This film... Shit, man. <laughs> yes. Ash returns to his deadite fighting ways. And this show aired from 2015 to 2018. I know that it had its audience. I haven't seen it. Yeah, the reception's positive. Uh, yeah, and what I watched, I didn't like as much as the movies, but I also only watch yeah, a bit of it. I'll you know, see if it picks up some. It's apparently it's, just it's as good. much about, like, Ash's PTSD as it is. Uh, he drifts from town to town with his pet yeah, lizard. He's, he's more just like a loser in it. <laughs> Ash kind of sucks in it. Um, but, yeah. I mean, Ellen Sandowise does reappear as Cheryl in one episode. Yeah, I, I nice. did hear about that. I want to watch more of it. Uh, I, I said I only had a chance to watch a little. And 
last thing, I probably should have mentioned this earlier. In 2003, debuting in Toronto, Evil Dead was adapted into a musical. What the fuck was that? Your sister has turned into a zombie. What the fuck was that? Your girlfriend was a demon too. What the fuck was that? She just ripped my pre-ripped Abercrombie. What the fuck was that? I got some Shelly on my shoe. Ew. What darkness lurks beyond this wooden sanctum? What the fuck was that? Dude, these hoes been zombified. Oh shit. I was yeah. gonna ask earlier in the episode if this also was adapted into a musical like Heather's <laughs> was. Yes, I, I don't want to go too into it because I feel like it can definitely carry its own episode. But Holy shit, are we just going to have like 10 Evil Dead episodes? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't mind. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, music, I, book, and lyrics by George Reinblatt with additional music by Christopher Bond, Frank Coppola, and Melissa Morris. This was produced with the permission and support of Ramey and Campbell, and eventually reached an off-Broadway production in 2006, with a production in Las Vegas in 2012, and a North American tour in 2014. Like, it plays it a lot more for comedy. It combines the first two films. Essentially, the first film takes up the first act, and the second film takes up the second. That makes sense. Yeah. And it is very over-the-top and different. Cheryl is locked in the basement for the majority of the show, as in the original. But here, most of her lines post-deadidification are puns. <laughs> that seems in the spirit of things, to be yeah. honest. Like, yeah. they're having a good time with it. The musical also has a splash zone. That, that <laughs> is very in the spirit of it. That rules. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of fun special effects. I have... The original production was videotaped, and I have seen it. I'll be honest, it is one of the best horror musicals I have ever seen. Goddamn. Wow. There are more than you think. I'll need to go looking for that. I'll need to go looking for that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that, that's a lot of stuff to come from uh, one one cult movie. Yes. But... I mean, yeah. what a cult I, movie, like, yeah. the cabin was burnt I'll down say... by trespassers, unfortunately, but Aww. the Aww. the chimney still stands, and people take journeys out to it. Yeah, I mean, I sure as hell think that it certainly deserves all these spinoffs and sequels and related yes. media. Cause it like, is just, like, a joy. It's so good. Yeah, like, the first two films in this series are... Probably my favorite horror movies of all time, and for very different so reasons. Good. I love, I love the whole series. Like I said, I haven't watched the remake, and I haven't finished uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead. But uh, the Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, Army of Darkness, I could like go and watch those anytime. They're just so thoroughly entertaining from yeah. start to finish, all of them. I- like I said, definitely for different reasons, because... Yeah, no, they're all very different. Evil Dead 2 I is a lot is more great. polished and Hollywood. 
Oh, this one, as I said, is a lot more do-it-yourself. Hey, gang, let's go make a movie. Yeah, and I'm (laughs) still shocked by how much I really liked it. Like, even if in some ways it didn't, quote-unquote, come into its own until Evil Dead 2, just the process of it sort of finding its footing and reaching that, you know, that balance of horror and slapstick is just, like, so good. Yes, it is. I definitely recommend this movie. So much. I, yeah. I this is probably the it. most. This is probably the most passionate you're ever gonna hear me about a, a movie on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Mir, this was the first time you'd seen it. Yeah. How do you feel? Um, they like after watching it. Um, I was like reading up in my little book of horror movies. Um, that the primary goal really is to elicit like a physical reaction which <laughs> it very much did for me um <laughs> yeah in I, what sense <laughs> i'm actually I'm like cur- oh. i feel like my tolerance for violence has gone down in recent oh, yeah. <laughs> years i think uh i would have been less bothered if i'd seen this like in my late teens ah uh, um, fair I, mean, I can but, say now that the pencil thing is absolutely the worst in the series, and oh, yes. they gravitate towards a lot of off-screen violence later yeah. on, with like a lot of the actual like cutting and stabbing and stuff being done uh, out of frame, and you just see like b- blood splashes and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a relief. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. I mean, not in a way that it's like bad or that's like makes me dislike the film like i kind of like when a movie gives me like that level of uh a response like it's like the only splatter film that i feel does it as well as this movie is probably brain dead Hmm. and that didn't come out for like another 10 years see i I kind of love shit like that with like blood and guts flying around to a comedic <laughs> extent but um stuff like jump scares usually do not click with me at all uh and this movie and throughout the series in general even in the less horror ones like army of darkness they love to have stuff just pop out all over the place and in the first movie in particular yeah. there's a lot of scenes with like music starting to crescendo as they approach doors and stuff like that, even if it doesn't amount to anything. It loves sort of building up that tension. And yeah. even if I'm not typically a fan of that, uh, I think it does it well here. At least yeah. the effect on me contributes. It is, mm-hmm. it is the- very effective. Very as atmospheric. Um, like, I was going to say before, uh, in the scene where Shelley was possessed, like, she bites her own hand off and that kind of made me gag oh (laughs) yeah irl i mean i'm currently reading an analysis of the horror genre dance macabre by stephen king wherein Mm. he cites three elements terror horror and revulsion which is sort of like in a sense like the jump scare, the creeping feeling, and the gross out. And hmm. this film definitely hits on all three. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's films it's like that. this that make me upset oh, yeah, that I didn't really get into horror stuff until college. 
Yeah, it's weird that I've never really considered myself much of a horror person, even though, like, if I look at some of my favorites in a lot of different mediums, it's like, oh, horror, 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 horror. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I tried to avoid this being just a horror podcast, but it's got so many... Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) It's got so many standout examples. Like, the best ones are always the most extreme. Yeah, and it's just so weird because I don't consider myself a horror fan. Yeah, it's just interesting <laughs> because just... the rest of the series is definitely like comedy horror. This one's a bit more towards the horror side. A bit more, yeah. yeah like there's still plenty of slapstick. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, no, I could talk about this all day, but I guess we're starting to we're already uh, past our usual ending point, huh? Yeah, yeah we are. God, th- I I I miss this kind of movie. Yeah, it's yeah. from. From what I hear, based off of what uh, Bruce Campbell said recently, uh, this the series is... Well, I guess it's not so much the series has done as he's done playing Ash, which, in my mind, is semi-equivalent, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's been playing the role for, like, 35 years. And in my opinion, it, he had a pretty damn good run at it. Hail to the king and all that, I guess. Yes. Hail to the <laughs> king, baby. I can't think of an appropriate catchphrase, so let's just segue to thanking you, the listener, for tuning into It's Symbolic. If you have anything you would like to say, be it a suggestion for something to cover, advice on how the hell to do this, or if you just want to talk, we love audience interaction. You can reach us on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC or through email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at It's Symbolic Podcast if you want to see so, so, so much blood and some really good demon designs. Yes. I I cannot. I love the practical effects in this movie. Elaborate just how great the effects in this movie are. I need to not go off anymore. (laughs) Yeah, trust me, I I get it completely. I, I I am trying to just keep myself from repeating the same things over and over. Yeah, no, we need to just stay on track. Let's just get this done. Yes. And no matter how you're listening to it, through iTunes, through Spotify, be it through some weird tape recorder you found in the basement, be sure to Uh-oh. leave a review and rating if you survive. That's the best way. Or you could just for- hang out with a cool data and listen to us with them they probably have some yeah they, they probably enjoy it the ones some of them seem pretty fun they they do i would chill with one yeah let's be sure to leave a rating and review that's the best way for us to get known that's the best way for us to get feedback that's the best way for us to keep doing this and really as long as it gives us the excuse to talk about more th- things as passionately as we have discussed this movie tonight i am happy yeah anyway i'm jacob i'm mir i'm ben join us next time where we show you how learning can be fun provided there is little to no actual learning involved i've never learned anything in my life yeah i'm having a great time yeah 
Nothing, huh? Nothing. Nope. <laughs> we we never learned how to just gonna do let a segue out. You're in silence about how stupid I am. <laughs> but we never learned how to wow. do a segue out. Bastards! Why are you torturing me like this? Why?